Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, a weekly podcast doused in alcohol and lit with knowledge. Clinkies! What's up, everybody? Hello! What's going on? Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, the podcast. I realize that's our intro. And, and we, we pretty much it. just yeah. say it again every time. I was thinking time. that too, yeah. It's okay. It's fine. We're just giving you the dub welcome. The dub welcome. That's hospitality. Yeah. Episode 35. 35? 35. Wow. I can never keep track. I keep track pretty good. Yeah. I think I'm, I kind of call it every time. I'm like Questlove on Jimmy Fallon. I guess. How that calls out the episode number every time. I didn't even know Questlove did that. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He we plays drums. We are here for another. Yeah. It is officially November. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, I'm sad, kind of sad because I like the month of October. Yeah. I like all this spooky already. season. It ended real quick on us. I still kind of have like a head cold, so I probably still sound a little funky. You sound good, babe. Yeah. I think you sound really good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's annoying because I feel like I have to blow my nose like every two seconds. Yeah. It's great. You do. Great actually. for I do a too. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but we did have a good Halloween. Yeah, well, it could have been better. Mm-hmm. It was that's the attitude. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> it was freezing. It, it has was. not been cold. It's it fucking snowed cold. in Louisville. It snowed. It's the only day that every element happened, and it was the only day we were like looking forward to. It was kind of a bummer. Yeah, because we dressed up as Mister and Mrs. Krueger. Yes, from the Nightmare on Elm Street. I almost said before Christmas. <laughs> I swear to God, I did. And. uh we looked super cute, and we had we two friends over. One of our friends, Cody, cooked us a yummy dinner. Yep. Our other friend poured all the everything else just down the sink, though. Oh, took me forever to fucking yeah. clean. Uh, our other friend, Dimitri, he dressed up in a gorilla suit that he actually bought from my family business when it went and out of business. And he fucking committed. It was so funny because we had to like really like like block. We had one dog downstairs, and had a block snow yeah. from getting to the door because we didn't want him to run out or like scare any of the dogs so that, and they just freak so out so every time there was a kid at the door we had to jump over all three of us had to jump over chairs and like run barricade. to the door and he couldn't really see it had these gorilla hands on and but it was really funny because he we would give him we would give out like i would give out a fun little treat yeah and then you'd give him candy and then mm-hmm. we'd be like and our gorilla friend is gonna give you a hershey bar he made, and he'd come over yeah all f- full gorilla Full gorilla vibe. There were so many kids that were like three kids shit their terrified. pants. Yeah, three kids in full shit. One like she literally turned and walked off. And she was like, "There was a monkey in there." <laughs> got a monkey. <laughs> but you know, so we we had such little trick or treaters because it was yeah. so fucking cold. Y'all want some candy? Hit us up. So we, I actually ended up giving out the full size Hershey bars to the parents too, who were walking around with their kids. Everybody was true, man. It was cold as hell. Yeah, it was cold. Well, but, hope y'all had a good Halloween, man. Yeah, I hope everybody had a good Halloween and listened to the Hillbilly Horror Stories. Halloween special. Halloween it's a good episode. one. It's a good one. We're on there. We're about an hour and a half in. Yeah, we're about an hour us. and a half in. But it, it, it was really good. There were so many cool stories. Yeah. It turned the witch out story really, was really, really cool. Awesome. Like yeah. the broomsticks and all that. that oh, really yeah. Cool. It was a little intense. But yeah, it was it was, it was was cool. Um, also, we saw Eli. We did. We watched that Netflix movie, Eli. Wow. Different. Not really. Come for the spooks and stay for the ending is all I'm saying. That's all I'll say. Yeah, well, that is all we'll say because we're not a spoiler podcast. This is not a spoiler podcast. But if y'all would be interested, I'm very good at spoilers. I will start a spoiler (laughs) podcast. That would be a horrible podcast. Who would listen to that? Just Just like, I don't want to go see any movie or any show ever. I'll just listen to a jackass. (laughs) Some fucking jackass just say it. No, no. Um, yeah, so we ended up, uh, but okay, yeah, so the thing about Kentucky weather is today, yeah. it was like up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. It's and been wild, up and down, man. So I took the time to take down all the Halloween decorations. Yeah, I, I was impressed at how fast you got that knocked down based on how many decorations we put out. You put Yeah, out. Well, it's I a hope. lot easier to take them down than it is to put them up. Sure, I would agree with that. And yeah, I got them all down. Sad. Kind of mm. time. And, uh. We're back in the original the podcast, podcast room because the clickety clanks and the barks of the dogs up in the, the farts, kitchen. The snorts. Oh my Jesus. god! It was taking us so long to record. We're gonna we're gonna tweak our podcasting space here to make it 
more fun for us though because we kind of just like sit and stare at a wall yeah we are we do instead of being across each other other (laughs) (laughs) which was kind of that was better being up there for yeah being across from each other but well it's when you have a fucking two hour long conversation with someone you want to look at them yeah i mean you know what i mean jesus kind of i guess sometimes i mean i enjoy it i do have a foam uh version of thor hanging in front of me that yeah. i don't mind to look at oh so. okay cool. i'm just kidding <laughs> i have ro- there's some robots <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of rando things in our yeah. podcast room yeah what are you drinking oh rosé nice i didn't totally give up halloween i'm i'm drinking out of the more booze please cup again <laughs> more booze yeah i'm uh i'm slurping vodka and Lacroix right mm, now fancy make another vodka with the Lacroix. yeah what was that it's post malone lyric oh Good job. Thank you. <laughs> I knew you could probably tell you were doing that for the for the audience. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think we really have anything else big to touch on. Just kind of wanted to recap. say Solid. hi and hope Solid. everybody had a good Halloween. And mm-hmm. I guess we can go ahead and get into it Let's if you get want. get into this fucking thing. You're first this week, yeah? I am, yes. All right. I'm ready to sit back and drink some rosé and hear your story. Okay. <laughs> This evening, we're going to talk a little bit about the story of Deborah Smith Leeds. Okay. And the legend of the devil of Leeds. Ooh. Yes. Deborah Smith was born in 1685 into a Quaker household in Burlington County, New Jersey. 1685? 1685. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So. Taking it back. Taking it back a little bit. We're going to throw it back a little bit. Deborah Smith, uh, her parents were Daniel Smith and Mary Murfin, so not a whole lot known about her young life. What's really important is that she marries a dude named Japheth, or Japheth. It's a biblical name. Japheth? Sorry. Japheth or Japheth. Okay. Yeah. And they had 12 friggin' kids together. Whoa! Earning her the name Mother Leeds. Okay. So that's just a little thing. So her children were Mary, who was born 1704, Robert, who was born in 1706, John, born in 1708, Japheth, who was named after the father. Why Why the fourth kid does he get that name? There like, was a bunch of stuff about that, actually. So it was really unorthodox. Yeah. You would, you'd think it'd be the first kid. Yeah. and it, Well, the first kid was a girl. But, well, okay. Yeah. But they had two other boys, right? I think that Robert and John were both of their parents' okay. names. Okay. They were like, we're going to just keep doing this. So Yeah, well, th- there's more to come, guys. Uh, so after Japheth was ne- Nehemiah. Okay. And then James, then Daniel, then Sarah, then Deborah, then Dorothy, then Anne, and then Hannah. Jeez. All born like two years apart from over 20 years. She was pregnant for so many for Her first kid years. was born in 1704, <laughs> and I think the last one was like 1726. Do you know how old she was when she got pregnant with the first one? I might not say. I don't know. I, just, yeah, I, don't I was know. just thinking in that at old that enough time. To party. At that time, she was she could she probably had her first kid at like fourteen. Who knows? Well, she was born in sixteen eighty five. Oh, so she was like nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. Young. Yeah, and it was so it was seventeen thirty five in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. So this whole story kind of focused around the the, the area called Pine Barrens in New Jersey. All right. When Jane, mother Leeds, discovered that she was pregnant with her 13th child. Mm-mm. And she Number said, 13 ain't good. She said, let this one be the devil. Oh, she cursed probably because this poor woman had been pregnant for like 30 fucking years, like her whole life. Well, 12. But still, yeah, she had 12 kids. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's remarkable. That is that is no thank you. Yeah. There was no epidurals in that time. Nope. She no, was tough you. as shit, bro. No, nope. I mean, you would think after the first, you would be like, no, I'm out. I'm she was out. like, I'm going to do this 11 more times. Yeah. So it's a cold, dark night when she gives birth. It's raining. To the 13th? To the 13th child of Mother Leeds. Okay. Well, now I'm nervous. Cause she, you said she had 12 kids. So. so she started with 12 kids. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So when Leeds' 13th child was born, it grew wings. What? Horns. What? Hooves and a tail. And the monster flew out of the chimney and into the night. What? And thus was born the Jersey City Devil, or the Jersey Devil, or the Devil of Leeds. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. Yes. So, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about the, the Devil of Jersey City this evening. So this is a, a cryptid? I believe this is qualified as a cryptid. All right, all right, all right. In the school of cryptozoology. 
One of the first reported Jersey Devil sightings was in 1812 when Joseph Bonaparte, who was Napoleon's older brother, claimed he saw the Jersey Devil while hunting near his Bordentown estate. From this spawned a bucket of other sightings and legend grew, fueled by animal attacks, strange footprints, and reports filed by eyewitnesses who supposedly encountered the beast. Ooh, okay. So I assume she didn't have a 14th child? No, she went on to die just a few years later, <laughs> oh, actually. Uh, I'm sure she didn't die from a fucking devil coming out of her vagina. No, <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure that they both died, her and Japheth, in their 60s. Huh, yeah. All right. The one, the one, Daniel was the one of the sons. He went on to be a very successful almanac producer. Oh. Yeah. That's, very cool. Yeah, that's all I know about the family, though. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, it, it, so that was in 1812, and then the next is the devil craze of 1909. The Jersey Devil's fame solidified itself in January of 1909 when nearly 1,000 reports came in from eyewitnesses throughout South Jersey. 1,000? 1,000. While testing cannonballs in Hanover Millworks in the Pine Barrens, Navy Commander Stephen Decatur reportedly saw the creature and shot it. Uh, With a cannon? Fucking target practice, dog. With a cannon? With a cannon. The cannonball blew a hole in the devil... But it wasn't phased by the projectile. Strange tracks were found in fields, but bloodhounds allegedly refused to follow the tracks. Whoa. As a result of this, the Pines Barren schools closed. What? And there was just such a... Everybody freaked the fuck out. What year was that? 1909. I thought that's what you said. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So next one, the Salem cab attack in 1927. 1927. 1927, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly what I said. Oh, so annoying. <laughs> the Jersey... So the, the fad kind of fell away for a while until 1927 when a taxi driver in Salem City allegedly <laughs> encountered the Jersey Devil while changing a tire. The man told police that a winged creature was pounding on the roof of the cab. Uh. To which I'm just like, maybe the dude needed a ride. <laughs> maybe he was hailing a fucking cab over here. He's t- flying all day and he's a ride. His wings. Why does he need a ride? They're for thumping things, maybe. <laughs> and I'll show you a picture. And, I'll, and we'll upload some because the pictures of, of, of the headspace with whoever uh, visualized the Jersey Devil, it's fucked up. It's got like the face of like a fucking bull and these crazy wings. It and sounds like the thing from Jeepers Creepers. We're going to get into some uh, pop Movie culture references. references. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, cold it. After Jersey Devil sightings were reported in 1960, wealthy merchants offered a $250,000 reward for the capture of the beast. It was never, nobody found it. Shocking. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, several residents of May's Landing heard horrifying screams in the night in 1960. There was no explanation for the noises and people began to panic. Police hung flyers assuring residents that that the Jersey Devil was a hoax. But a circus owner countered the appeal by offering a $100,000 reward for anyone who could capture the creature. No one received said award. That's a, like, that's a lot of money to be yeah. like, if you capture this thing. And then what? I guess that guy will take the body and put it up and make a lot of money off of it or yeah, something. Yeah, that's when the circus changes towns, I think. Mm. <laughs> Jeez. So Mary Reitzer Christensen told Weird New Jersey that she got heebie-jeebies one night those are called once again those are heebie-jeebies one quote unquote literally in quotes heebie-jeebies okay i'm not gonna say heebie-jeebies any more times heebie-jeebies heebie-jeebies i did it i said it one more time (laughs) one night in 1972 when she spotted the jersey devil on green tree road christensen was driving from blackwood to glassboro when she says she saw a towering figure crossing the road about 25 feet behind her car she described the figure as a t- as standing taller than the average man with thick haunches like a goat Ooh. and a huge woolly head. <laughs> so the Jersey Devil is fucking thick, dude. Okay. The Jersey Devil thick as hell. And it has a woolly head. So immediately when I heard that, and I actually heard about this initially, and I probably touched on it, um, but the uh, Pope... Uh, the public monster yeah it's like a goat man yeah and they kind of liken them to the same kind of mm-hmm. like the same kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah i feel like i heard you like mention it at one point yeah it's one of the it's a famous creep dude okay famous creep dude famous creep forest rangers are expert on the wildlife that inhabits the woods they patrol but in 1980 wharton state forest chief ranger alan mcfarlane saw something that both grossed him out and stumped his wildest animal knowledge 
A brutal scene on a South Jersey farm where a pack of pigs had been killed. Oh, oh buddy. No. Oh, buddy. Turn them to bacon. He reported that the backs of their heads were eaten and their <gasps> bodies were scratched and torn. Ew. However, there was no tracks surrounding the bodies and no blood on the ground. Oh, so, weird. I mean, the devil, the Jersey devil, he fucks with some, some pork products. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Jesus. In 1988, in Asbury Park press reporter told the story of a Howell Township resident who claimed to have encountered the Jersey Devil seven years prior. This eyewitness must have been up close and personal because he described the beast right down to his very large teeth. Ooh. Mm. In 1993, forest ranger John Irwin was driving along the Mullica River when he saw a strange creature blocking the road ahead of him. He said it was about six feet tall with horns and matted black fur, the two stared at each other for several minutes before the creature turned and ran into the forest. Gross. You know, I'm like so bad at heights too. Like if somebody was like, how tall was it? I'd be like, tall? I'm short. I don't know. Taller than me. Tall enough to party. I'm not, I wouldn't be like, it's about 5'9". One evening while taking out the trash, Fran Capallo, owner of the Smithville Inn and Village in Galloway Township, saw a strange shadow projected onto the wall before her. She said she looked up and saw the shadow of a beast with wings. While the image had to be frightening, Capello said she felt calm as if the Jersey Devil was watching over her. What? Yeah. Okay. I don't know, man. Weird flex. Weird flex. While traveling on Route 9 in Bayville, three cars were forced to slam on their brakes when, according to one witness, a 10-foot-tall Jersey Devil... Ten? Ten foot. This fucking thing is massive. Yeah, a 10-foot-tall Jersey Devil figure with a long head and short, flat ears ran across the road. One witness reported that the creature emerged from a wooded area near a mini-mall and galloped out in front of traffic, disappearing into the woods on the other side of the street. All right. That's 10-foot. That's a lot bigger than other people. I mean, whoa. I wonder if it changes in sizes or... It, you know, goes with the seasons. Some years it's 6-foot, some years it's (laughs) 12-foot. I mean, you never, or well, there could, could be, be many, more than there's one. There's many, could be many devils. That could just be grandpappy, El, grandpappy tall devil. Okay. Okay. That's, that's trademarked. <laughs> one of the most recent sightings occurred in the Galloway Township again. So we're back in Galloway Township in October 2015. Um, 2015. Little Egg Harbor resident David Black said he was driving along Route 9 near a golf course when he saw what he thought was a llama walking in and out of the tree line on the side of the road. Suddenly, suddenly the creature spread its wings and fucking flew away. He captured the beast's image. That ain't no llama. He captured the beast's image with his cell phone and the photo went viral. Ooh, did you look at it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it made a skeptic out of me for sure. It was kind of like, is this, did you just throw a pinata in the air? A llama pinata? Because it looks like a llama pinata right now. (laughs) Did you really just throw a llama pinata right now, my dude? (laughs) A few days after David Black, so that's our, our previous guy, captured the Jersey, Jersey Devil with his cell phone, Emily Martin shot a video of what appears to be the same creature after she spotted it on Old Port Republic Road near Leeds Point. Both Black and Martin swear neither image nor the video was edited or set up. Some who have seen the video, photo and video have suspicions. Well, yeah, it's like they're going to admit that this is edited. Yeah. But no, we caught it, but yep. it's we edited yep. it. Yep, <laughs> yep. So next, I'm going to give you a few uh, just first-hand accounts. Okay. So one of them was the previously mentioned Mary Reitzer Christensen, but mm-hmm. this is exactly what she had to say. Okay. This has haunted me. This, she's the one that had the heebie-jeebies. Oh, heebie-jeebies. She had the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. This has haunted me since it happened in 1972. I was a senior at what was then Glassboro State College. I had heard about the Jersey Devil when I came to South Jersey, but being from North Jersey, which she says is a different world, all I right. thought I was far too sophisticated to believe in such humbuggery. Oh. She's got some words on her, yes, buddy. Yes, she does. <laughs> One winter night, I was driving to Glassboro from Blackwood on the Green Tree Road. At the time, the road was flanked by orchards and farms. There was, there was a few houses, and there was hardly any development. I was completely sober and awake. Same. When I, <laughs> caught, a, <laughs> when I caught a glimpse of someone in my rear, something in my rearview mirror. Curious as to what it could have been, I slowed down to take a gander. Mm-hmm. It was dark out, but moonlit enough that I had no trouble at all discerning the upright figure of a creature crossing the road from one side to the other, roughly 25 feet behind my car. Mm. The figure stood taller than a man by far and had thick haunches similar to a goat's. 
Okay. Thick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thick. <laughs> we get it. He's thick. Thick. Supporting its nearly human-looking torso and huge woolly head. It moved heavily, but didn't seem at all disturbed by my being there. I didn't linger long enough to see much more. I hit the gas and flew to the mansion park apartments in the borough, so petrified that I slept the rest of the night in the car, unwilling to get out in the same darkness that had introduced me to the Jersey Devil. Pretty sure I'm going into my house and I'm locking the door. Run into I'm the not crib. staying in the car out in the elements. And it also just seemed like home dude was just on a walk. He didn't care about you. <laughs> he, right? He's like, I'm just going across the street. Oh, yeah. It's the dirty devil across the street. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she says, never again have I ridden on Green Tree Road, day or night, that I've gotten the heebie-jeebies just thinking about that winter night so long ago. He's like, I was just my, making my way down to Georgia. I was just heading over to the 7-Eleven. Yeah, down to Georgia. I don't think they would, would talk more like this, though. Probably being from Jersey, yeah, right? right. You probably talk more like, oh, I was heading to the 7-Eleven. <laughs> I was going to the 7-Eleven over here. I was, getting a, I was getting a pop. Cola. <laughs> soda. I don't know what they call it in New Jersey. Don't at me. I don't either. Uh, this one is camping. With the Jersey Devil oh. by Frank T. Okay, Frank. In the late 1980s, a couple of my friends and I took took a camping trip down to Pine Barrens. I was on a no, I won't do that. Stop. To us. I won't do it to us. Come don't. on, man. Please don't. <laughs> I was gonna do the whole reading just in no. New Jersey accent. <laughs> in the late 1980s, a couple of my friends and I took a camping trip up to the Pine Barrens. I was unaware that we were headed to the home of the Jersey Devil. We headed out on our bikes. And did our share of partying that night. The next day, while everyone was asleep, three of us three of us decided to hit the trail. <laughs> three ma, three ma, three of us decided to hit the trails a bit earlier than usual. We were about a hundred yards away in the woods when my bike stalled out. Bummer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I looked and found that my friend had also stalled. At first, I thought that it had something to do with the terrain, or maybe something to do with the nearby power plants. But power plant. There's a nearby power plant. You don't know. You don't know the geography of the the, the Pine Barrens. What does that have to do with a bike? They're mo- they're motorbikes. Oh, they're dirt bikes. Oh, okay. And my okay. bike stalled out. I couldn't pedal anymore. <laughs> I literally was. That's what I was picturing. I was like, I don't understand what. <laughs> Fifty feet away from each other, we tried to start up our bikes when suddenly, from the woods, we heard the most horrible, piercing scream. Ooh. It sounded inhuman, <laughs> like yeah. something being tortured. Once back at the camp, they asked us if we had heard screams earlier. They had heard them two, four miles away. Mm-mm. Come on. Come on. That's a why, yeah. That's a loud scream. That's a piercing scream, yeah. That night, we headed into the local town because we ran out of booze. <laughs> I feel that, buddy. We went into a bar and ordered a drink. Still in shock from what I had heard that morning, the bartender asked, Hey, kid, what, did you see a ghost or something? After I told him the story, he smiled and said, it looks like you met our little friend. He then asked us to come out back. He showed us a tin garbage can that was shredded to bits. <gasps> it looked like the shreds were made for, from something with three claws. Ooh. I have never returned to the Pine Barrens since, and I do not plan to go back. That's creepy. Frank T. That's creepy. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Uh, so yeah, now now we'll just get into some pop culture references. Okay. So... Um, Jeepers, creepers. creepers. I didn't know you from New Jersey. <laughs> uh, I first actually heard about the devil in Jersey City from the Coheed and Cambria song. Oh. Called The Devil in Jersey oh, City. Oh, <laughs> weird. Okay. X Files covered it on their first season on episode five. Oh, cool. Yeah. Two professional ice Try hockey. Try to spit in the mic there, babe. <laughs> Two professional ice hockey teams have been named for the creature. The what? first, the Jersey Devils of the Eastern Hockey League, played from 64 until 73 when the league collapsed. The second, the They new, all collapsed? The league did. I know. Just... They, they all fell over? <laughs> Were they okay? And the Jersey City Devil came in and was like, where's my cut? Pay me. Oh, God. The second was the New Jersey Devils of the National Hockey League, that's the NHL, which played since 1982. The current team was formerly known as the Colorado Rockies, where their name was chosen by a poll shortly after the team relocated to Newark. Okay, cool. A couple of films came out called The 13th Child, which came out in 02, and Ooh. The Barons, which came out in 2012, both of which follow the antics of the Jersey Devil. I want to watch one. I want to watch it. Did any of them get, were they, I, were they like low I budge? have not actually checked out The Rotten Tomatoes, but I would be eager to watch those movies I want to watch way. The 13th Child. That yeah. sounds cool. It sounds pretty spooky. And also, lastly, Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen. 
Uh-huh. The boss. Yeah. Has a song called A Night with the Jersey Devil. Oh, cool. And we're going to play it on the outro. No. I'm just kidding. We're not. We don't have the rights. <laughs> we don't have the rights. Cool. So that's a little primer on the Jersey Devil. Yeah. The Devil of Leeds. That's that's spooky. And the Devil of Leeds' poor mom for having all those kids. Yeah. Those kids existed. That family existed. It said that they're buried somewhere yeah, in Yeah, I, I would be curious to know. I actually looked up their genealogy. Huh. That's how I found out about the kids because everywhere else was just like Wikipedia shit. And then I found like that's how they verified that this woman existed. And she actually had a 13th child. No. They have 12 confirmed chi- children. Okay. Because the 13th fucking flew out the chimney. Well, Andrea. I know. Uh, pretty hard to do a fucking birth certificate on a kid that fucking flew out <laughs> your fucking chimney in the middle of the night. <laughs> but I'm like wondering if the, if well, the account came Jeff, from go her. Go get him. <laughs> No, I, nobody really knows what it was born from. There's a lot of different things, you know. It's it's folklore. So, yeah, you know, for sure. Could have come sure. from anywhere, and and from the uh, so long ago, so a very long time ago, 1700s. Yeah, you know. I would just love it if she just like came back from the dead and was like, "Y'all, I did not have that fucking 13th child." Okay. <laughs> or she comes back and says, "I had that kid. Yeah. <laughs> I should not have cursed that kid." <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah. Woof. That's the Jersey Devil. Creepy. Creepy, creepy. It sounds a lot like the thing from Jeepers Troopers, too. Yeah. I think it's probably, you know, Similar. I think a lot of that stuff they draw from local oh, I'm folklore sure. yeah. and just folklore in general. Yeah. Well, good job. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, are you ready to hear a story from me? No, I think I'll call it. I think okay. I'll call it a day. Cool, All right. Cool, thanks cool, a lot. Cool, thanks cool. for coming over right. doing me. No, thanks. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to chime out. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Yes. I'm going to go easy. What? Yeah, because I know I'm like, uh, my shit's always so heavy. It's like death metal listening <laughs> to your pod- your side of the podcast. Uh, it's something that I've been wanting to cover, but it's just not as intense as like murder. Parasite. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about a drum roll. <laughs> Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Oh, cool, cool. Cool. So for anybody who doesn't know, Waverly Hills is a was a tuberculosis sanatorium here in Louisville, Kentucky. Spooky as hell. And it is extremely haunted and has kind of a crazy backstory and Which I'm excited to learn. Yeah. I figured I I know you know what it is, sure. but you probably I you know, I didn't even really know that much about it. I've done yeah. like the tour and stuff, so I, I knew Same. a fair amount, but it's been a long time and I figure since we just had Halloween and... Still technically spooky season. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people, they were in town, visited. So I'm just going to... I thought it'd be fun to cover our, our our local gem. I'm into it. I'm excited. I'm going to start by telling you what tuberculosis is. Okay. Because, I mean, it might be helpful to know that. Sure. Uh, it's an infection with or without disease caused by the bacterium Mycobacterium tuberculosis. Sure. Humans usually acquire infection by breathing in infectious droplets, which have been expelled from the respiratory tract of infected person. Yummy. So TB, it's also known as TB. I'll probably call it that a lot because tuberculosis. As we can tell. (laughs) TB. We'll leave that in for context. Great. Mainly affects and damages the lungs. But the bacterium may spread to any other organ system, and the disease is slow in progression and chronic if untreated, and death obviously can result and did before there was even a treatment for it. And now they can treat it with, like, antibiotics and shit like that, and that's basic. But back then, there was not shit for it. It was also known as the White Plague. Okay. And it's... Be quoted from the Louisville Times in 1928 that during the World War, tuberculosis killed more people than shot and shell. Jesus. I've heard it also called, I think they call it consumption too, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, 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 they do. So, in 1883, the plot of land where Waverly Hills currently sits was purchased by Major Thomas H. Hayes, who built uh, a family home there. So, you know, there's a lot of this that I didn't know. Since it was too far from any sort of school and he had daughters, he opened his own school on the land so that they would have a place to go and learn. For a couple of kids? He opened a whole ass school? Well, I think other people probably came. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> he hired a teacher named Lizzie Lee Harris, who is a big fan of Walter Scott's Waverly novels, 
which prompted her to name the schoolhouse Waverly School. Ah. Mr. Hayes liked the peacefulness of the name, dubbing his own property Waverly Hill. Just the background of the okay, name. Okay, yeah. Uh, later, when the Board of Tuberculosis Hospitals bought the land, they kept the name but changed the spelling to W... So their, their original spelling was W-A-V-E-R-L-E-Y, and we know Waverly Hills to be known now as W-A-V-E-R-L-Y, but there was apparently no reason for that. Nobody knows. Interesting. Probably it was like... Take off a few letters to save a couple well, bucks on signage. I would think, dude, for real. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? During the 1800s and the early 1900s, America was ravaged by tuberculosis. And it was super scary and super contagious. It was sort of like yeah. a plague. I mean, well, everybody you know? was just walking around coughing and shit. And everybody was getting that spit in their mouth. And there was no Ugh. cure. Yeah, true. So it would, it would, it claimed entire families and sometimes entire towns. And in 1900... That is so fucked up to think about. I know. And in 1900, Louisville, Kentucky, where we live, had the highest TB rate in America. Really? Yes. Shit, that's a terrible statistic. Which was... No wonder we don't talk about that one. (laughs) ...reason for the tuberculosis hospital to be built. Yeah. It was built on low swampland, which I found curious because... I don't consider us to have swampland. Yeah, maybe just like... But in the 1900s with the the Ohio and and all that, the Ohio River. Yeah. They... Yeah, there was at that point... I think it's probably what we would equate to like creek land and like... I guess. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was probably more heavily swampy back then. I don't know. A lot of gators. So that with it being built on swampland, the area was perfect breeding ground for disease. And in 1910, the hospital was constructed on... A windswept hill in southern Jefferson County, which is where we live as yep, well. Cool. Yep, yep. Um, which had been designed obviously to help combat the TB. Yeah. When Waverly opened, it had a capacity of forty to fifty patients, and during this time, Louisville population had been majorly infected by the disease. Initially, the hospital was a two-story wood building, but it was eventually granted a twenty-five thousand dollar fund. Back Which, the, and that's back in the day. That's in like 1910, yeah, 1912. That's a buck, it's a, I mean, still, somebody, it, that's a bucket of money. That's a hell of a lot yeah. in today's money. Yeah. Uh, which allowed Waverly to rebuild in order to accommodate for cases of pulmonary TB. During the remodeling period, which I found this to be insane, which started on August 31st, 1912. We're talking August in Louisville. Yeah. Kentucky. Hot as balls. The patients were relocated to tents outside. <laughs> Can you imagine? You've got TB uh, and they put you in a bro. fucking tent in August. It gets and you have to, and then you're it in is that so tent. Hot in August here, while so re- humid and gross. And not to mention, then you're there August, September, October, November. Yeah. So you you're in 90, 100 degree, and you're in snow. Like yeah. who knows what you're in? Yeah. So by December, nineteen twelve. The, a hospital for advanced cases opened for the treatment of another 40 patients. And by 1914, a children's pavilion was added, which made for another 50 beds, making the known capacity around that point to be 130 patients. Wow. Not I mean, by, and by like modern hospital standards, it's like quite small. Yeah, right? Quite small. I, I guess not. I'm, off the yeah. top of my brain, I have no idea how many patients a hospital holds. I mean, we have so many in Louisville. Yeah. The children's pavilion sadly caused a lot more issues than solutions because it didn't only hold sick children. It housed healthy children of the current sick TB patients smart. who could no longer very smart who could no longer take care of their own children. What could go wrong? I mean, I get it. They had to have a place to put them so they weren't just like on the street. I got a radical idea. What if we had what if we had a daycare and a hospital? In the same fucking room. <laughs> Don't even switch the fucking room. Let's just rooms. put him in the same room. What the fuck? I know, right? What I mean, what did you think was going to happen? I don't it's know how highly, all these people keep getting TB. I mean, it was I highly know. contagious. Yeah, like I would, I wouldn't have wanted to be a nurse or a doctor. It was scary. Time. Probably everybody was just shook all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. So, due to constant need for repairs on the wooden structures, need for a more Durable structure as well as need for more beds so that people would not be turned away due to lack of space, you know, because yeah. like 
it only started at a 40 50 person thing it and moved that, yeah. up to 130 but that's with children unit yeah. Yeah. they were probably t- and and we were the the most people like we were the largest the largest infected infected i mean i can't even fathom how many people they probably had to turn away so construction of a five-story building that could hold more than 400 patients began in march of 1924 the new building opened on october 17th 1926 but after the introduction of streptomycin in 1943 that's just like i'm i'm just grazing over this was when the number of tb cases gradually lowered and there was no longer a need for such a large hospital but sure that's just a graze over that you know what i mean because i'm gonna continue to tell you about it i'm into it yeah uh so waverly was considered the most advanced tb sanatorium in the country even though most of the patients there died (laughs) pretty low standards then but i mean you know there was no medicine available at the time to treat it, and so the main treatment offered was, what do you think? Oh, dude, I couldn't even guess. Fresh air and lots of nutritious food. <laughs> Those poor, poor Oof. people. Oof. Now, get this. This really, I found this to be very interesting. And how fresh could the air be when all of them are concentrated in one yeah, place? Yeah, right? Intense and shit, you Yeah. Know? Well, they did have well, a lot of, yeah. out. they did... They did have a lot of outdoor places where they like the grounds took them out. I think I touch on it in a little bit, but there was a lot of times where they literally were just like putting them outside. Didn't matter what the temperature was, what the, you know, if I touch on it again, I'll repeat it. But I know there was literal pictures of patients out getting their fresh air, listening to the radio covered in snow. Jesus. And they were covered in um, heated blankets and actually that was one of the first uses of heated blankets was at rtb sanatorium sanatorium i don't know what i was gonna say sanctuary <laughs> but there's pictures of patients like literally covered in snow that's crazy i know okay so they had a kitchen bakery and dining room i put this in because i found this i don't know i have food facts sure know. the kitchen has the had the capacity and equipment of which can easily take care of 500 people with a ventilation system that can completely change the air temperature every three minutes. Oh, wow. I, you might, you're, you've been at worked in kitchens a lot. You sure, know. yeah. The average consumption in one meal, okay, was 140 pounds of bacon, 100 dozen eggs, not a, not 100 eggs, 100 dozen eggs. Jesus. 30 pounds of cottage cheese, 30 gallons of ice cream, 9 gallons of syrup, 190 pounds of liver. Oof. And in one year, in addition to container milk, they had 1,147 barrels of bulk milk, 13 tons of sugar, 6 tons of butter, and wait for it, 52,276 pounds of ground beef. God damn. That was in a year, but. they were I mean, they were eating good at least. The main dining room capacity was for 328 employees and or patients could be seated at one time. Okay. And the room could be expanded to seat 448 people if they needed. And there was an average of 2,100 meals served a day. Holy. That's a huge operation. Isn't that crazy? That's huge. I just found like. I mean, I come from working in like 100 seat, 200 seat restaurants, so I could never imagine. I mean, just like, that's just so much. I don't know. Yeah, it's just a lot. So they had patient areas. Each bed was equipped with headphone connections for listening to the radio, which was like. State of the was art. What, no, it really was. It was said it, like for the time. It was like the first iPod. Like they could like put it in and, and listen to like whatever station they wanted. They could plug it in and listen to whatever different music or a lot of patients read. And but I mean, that's sure. they're just there's nothing for them to do. Yeah. I mean, it was back in the day. There was also single and double rooms available for patient use. I would have. I would have cough on each other. I mean, I would have thought that they would have put as many dub, people doubled as up can. in every room. Yeah. But yeah, there was also a theater where they played motion pictures. Oh, and plays provided by local drama clubs. Wow. They had a library which uh, was made up of a variety of donated and bought books, magazines, and newspapers for the patients' entertainment. They also had a workshop. Which was not apparently not in the main sanatorium, but it was an occupational therapy department. 
Okay, cool. It's kind of cool. Patients who were able to work without injury to themselves were taught rug weaving, toy making, wood carving, and basket making, copper hammering, leather cutting, and the girls... I would love to learn all that shit. And the girls were taught to do needlework and fancy embroidery, because apparently men can do that. And in a workshop for men... They would make furniture and other things of interest to, you know, to the dude, with to a the penis, bros, apparently. Yeah. yeah. With a penis. But yeah, like you said, it's a different time. But the stuff that was made in those departments were sold by the women's board of the hospital and those funds went back into the hospital. So oh, that's, that's what's up. Yeah, cool. that's what's up. There was also, you know, a school and other children's activities for the kids that were there until they got the tb from hanging out with all the kids that had tb well there was a school for the kids who had tb because they still need oh, to go wow. to school yeah, but they couldn't sure. just go to regular school because they had tuberculosis for sure the children spent about four and a half hours a day in school and they had outdoor swings seesaws trapeze slides and other playground stuff like um you know normal schools that sure. they said that they got to play on it's as a much friggin' as, campus yeah i mean they said they got to play on it as much as other kids i mean they, they had to yeah you know they they didn't want to just put you in a place where you were going to just die without, like, being, like, Giving you we're going to at least of gonna life. try. Yeah, like, hopefully these well, kids aren't cool. going to die until, yeah. or hopefully we're going to find a cure and we didn't just waste three years of these children's lives not going to school. Do you know what I mean? Sure. They were still learning yeah. and yeah. the people who were in there were still able to, like, do something productive and earn money for the hospital, which is kind of cool. That is cool. So... The main use for the hospital, sadly, was to isolate those who had come down with the disease and keep them away from everybody who had not. Sure. And that's the reason for all of that, sure. you know? Families were divided with parents and children forced into the sanatorium with little contact, little to no contact with their loved ones, which, you know, I can't even fathom. Like, if you're, like, a husband and a wife and the wife and the kid get it. Yeah. And then you can't go visit them. Right. Because you could get it. I mean, I'm assuming that some people did, but, oh, I mean... Yeah. Wow, that's fucked up. Yeah, it's so sad. During the 1930s, I thought this was interesting, a short film entitled On the Front Lines illustrated the revolutionary new medical treatments at several different tuberculosis hospitals, which included Waverly Hills, and oh. it's actually one of the few films to capture our, that hospital in use. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I will like, look up that footage and see if you, if you can find it. I yeah, know. I'll look for it. <laughs> so treatments for tuberculosis were sometimes as bad as the disease itself. Oof. And a lot of the treatments were experiments in search of a cure that would literally be considered barbaric to today's standards. Great. I can't wait for you to outline them in haunting detail. <laughs> I'm going to read what some like the names of some of them. Well, I guess I'm going to try. I don't know. Because they're really ridiculous. And I'll read about them. Um, but... As I said earlier, the most common treatments of TB was rest, fresh air, and good food, which I find is just like... And they were slinging that okay. food. That shit is crazy. At least they did have food. Yeah, they were eating. the good chefs. So there's a thing called lobectomy and phrenic nerve crush. Oof. Anytime nerve and crush is in the same Heliotherapy, which is also known as sun treatment. Thoracoplasty. Artificial pneumothorax. Nice. Dude, I don't know. These words are hard. Some of the things that entailed with those words that I just said that I know meant nothing to anybody were patients' <laughs> lungs were exposed to ultraviolet light to try and stop the spread of bacteria. Oof, that cannot be good for the lungs. Yeah, this was done in sunrooms, which was the, I guess, sun treatment, the heliotherapy. How did they get the sun into the lungs? Uh, Using artificial light in place of sunlight or on the roof or open porches of the hospital it was basically like putting them out in sun okay because i'm over here thinking like are they putting flashlights down these people's throats oh, yeah uh, since fresh air was thought to also be a possible cure patients were often placed in front of huge windows or on the open porches like i said no matter what the season and like i said before old photographs were Show show patients lounging in chairs, taking in the fresh air, literally covered in snow. That's so bonkers. Wild. Other treatments were less pleasant and much bloodier. Balloons would be surgically implanted in the lungs and then filled what? with air to expand them. 
Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, this often had. What? Who was the guy that was like, "What if?" But listen, hear me out. What if we just? You know we how we could put balloons. the balloons in. The, you know how you blow it up; it gets bigger, and then it'll fill it. If we just fill it up with air, the TB can't spread because <laughs> they'll have a balloon in their fucking lungs. You know, it probably won't pop. Fuck? It'll be fine. Oh. Needless to say, this often had disastrous results, as did an operation where muscles and ribs were removed from a patient's chest to allow the lungs to expand further and let in more oxygen. Oh, fuck. Yeah. The blood-soaked procedure was seen as a last resort, and many patients did not survive it. Fucking weird. Shockingly, a lot of the patients who did survive the procedure, uh-huh. would ju- it would just get infected, and then that would kill them. Not the TB, but the infection. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. The phrenic nerve crush, it's called phrenic, phrenicotomy. Uh-huh. I'm probably butchering that. Sorry, guys. The nerve supply to one diaphragm would be cut off, and that diaphragm would be paralyzed and remain in a relaxed phase. That is higher than the chest. In this way, not only are the respiratory movements of the lung diminished, but also due to the rising of the diaphragm slightly to the chest, there's a small decrease in volume of the lung. And the diaphragm opposite to the phrenic nerve crush continues to act normally. That and allows the lung on the disabled terrible. side to heal. No, what the I fuck? I know, right? La, 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 la. Can you imagine how funky that would feel? Like only one side of your, like only one of your lungs working. Ugh. Also, the thoracoplasty, which was the removal of the ribs and bones. You at least said it with a lot of confidence that time. Uh, was the average patient required the removal of seven to eight ribs? Hold on, that's so fucking many. That's like I don't know. How do you even have? I don't know, man. Don't you know, got man. more than me, right? Don't chicks have more ribs than dudes? Because I think so. Eve was. I don't somebody know if that's from real. Adam I don't and Eve and somebody's real, rib. Man. Yeah, I don't know. Cool, we drink cool, and we know cool. things. <laughs> but most surgeons prefer to only remove two to three at a time, and thus patients had to endure several procedures before the entire thoracoplasty was finished. And they're just supposed to live the rest of their lives. Yeah, right. You can't put that shit back. Without right? their fucking, without seven or eight of their fucking ribs. That's insane. Blech. The thing I mentioned, the lobectomy. Uh-huh. Is where doctors surgically remove infected parts of the lung and sometimes even a whole lung. What? Don't you need those? I feel like you really do. <laughs> you really, really do. I mean, do. what the hell? Whoa. Yeah. Lella. So artificial pneumothorax is a method of treatment which consists of introduction of air into the pleural cavity or between the coverings of the lung which collapses the diseased area, finally leading to complete recovery, apparently. Ugh. Basically, they're, com- they're like collapsing a lung. Yeah, so that it can heal. Yeah. So for patients who could not have... Which art- seems fucking crazy. I know, right? You're not... Yeah. Ugh. So for patients who could not have artificial pneumothorax for treatment, they were prescribed postural rest, which was the patient lies on the affected side which restricts the excursion of the lung and puts it at a partial rest. Sounds Just lay on one side of your great. body for six months. Yeah. Another treatment. I mean, that's what it's right. You lay on the side of your body. Yeah. Please. Another treatment for patients who had infections of both lungs is the, quote, shot bag method. A bag. That's going to be terrible. <laughs> a bag containing one pound of shot. I don't know what shot is. Is placed on either collarbone of the patient and the amount of shot is increased four or five ounces each week until the patient is carrying five pounds of weight on the upper part of each lung. This restricts the excursions of the lungs and teaches correct breathing and procedures and produces partial rest for the lungs. Whoa. I'm just like. They're trying to get those lungs some gains, bro. I mean, but adding like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. So while there were patients who survived both the disease and the treatments who would leave Waverly Hills through the front door. Many others, most of them, really, yeah. left through what came to be known as the body shoot. I'm sure that's it's an ethical practice. <laughs> so, 
so, it can't be like what it sounds like. <laughs> it can't be. It's also known as a body slide. Or that the, sounds fun. That sounds like more fun. Or more the better the death tunnel. All of them. Yeah, I think I get the idea. <laughs> the enclosed tunnel for the dead led from the hospital to the railroad tracks at the bottom of a hill. Using a motorized rail and cable system, the bodies were lowered in secret to the waiting trains. This was done so that the patients that were still alive would not see how many bodies were leaving uh, the hospital as see how low corpses. their fucking chances are yeah apparently their mental health was just as important as their physical health says the docs the doctor said it's the first know. time i ever heard somebody fucking say that in the medical field <laughs> the so-called death tunnel is a paranormal hotspot complete with eerie shadows unexplained footsteps and disembodied voices it's also known among investigators for providing a lot of really creepy evps evps do you know what that is? No, what is it? Electronic voice phenomenon. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I think. It's when you catch a ghost on tape. Okay, yeah, yeah. I EVP. think that's what it's called. Yeah. You, don't, you don't know what EVPs? I mean, I'm just making sure you I knew. I, I obviously knew. Ghost stuff. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest misconception about the body shoot is that it's a slide. It was not a slide. It was on, you know, a railway sure. system. But... Because I just have this image of, like, nurses just I know, right? But that's not what it was. On some fucking um, Sweeney Todd shit. <laughs> okay. Good. Here we go. We can never let go of Sweeney Todd. But it stretched 525 feet underground to the bottom of the hill where the dead would then be collected by their family or cremated. Oof. Oof right? Only about 425 feet remain of the tunnel now. But okay. you can see and you can walk it. And I have. And it's creepy. That and is dark creepy. And scary. But the original usage for the tunnel was that it was a way, a warm way for them to come all the way up the hill in the winter to bring up supplies and coal and stuff for the buildings. Okay. And they were like, eh. We could just send all these dead people. We should just start sending the dead people down there because it's warm. We got a shitload of cadavers to move, so. Uh... Uh, so next I want to just give like a little bit of a quick layout of the floors because I found it interesting. Sure. What all there was, how big this place was, like you said earlier, campus. Yeah, it's like a campus. So the first floor was lobby, um, patient rooms, offices, medical labs, x-ray and dark room, nurse station, a salon and barber shop, a dentist's office. The North Wing had the body shoot. Uh-huh. Library, breaker and transformer rooms. Cold rooms for meat and other food storage. Uh, there was old electronic stone and water potato peeler on the first floor area. Sure. A small morgue. Very small because there's somebody down there. I know, right? And maintenance offices. On the second floor, there was the kitchen, which was huge, you know, because it had to. Sure. Yeah. And the bakery and the dining rooms. One minor surgery treatment room. Patient rooms. Kitchenette, a dinette, a chapel, and two nurse stations. Third floor was minor surgery and treatment rooms, patient rooms, a kitchenette, dinette, two nurse stations, and occupational therapy. Fourth floor was major surgery and recovery rooms, waiting rooms, one minor surgery room, patient rooms. Again, there's probably patient rooms on every right. floor. Right. It sounds like the fucking like, Titanic another of kitchenette. hospitals. I know. Another kitchenette, another dinette, and two nurse stations. Which I, That's why I wanted to like, go over it. Because yeah. it's like how crazy, how and much And it kind of was wanted. around that time, too. It was just like, yeah, bigger is sure. better, you know? Fifth floor, which is the only other floor other than the basement, was reserved for the heliotherapy department, where those suffering from TB were treated with the sunlight shit. Sure. And access to elevator maintenance was in what is now known as the Bell Tower. Ooh. You can see, I know they actually call it that when you go do like the... Um, the tour. Yeah. Children also had a rooftop swing set. I'm sorry. A Safe. rooftop? Yeah. Safe. Safe. Okay, let's I've aim for the there. bushes. I've been up there. There's like wall, a wall around it. You're not sure. just like, no, oh, you run too quick and you fall yeah. off the roof. That's one way to get rid of these kids. Also another nurse station, another kitchenette. So they obviously had areas for you to eat on earth floor and yeah. then the basement had crawl spaces for pipe maintenance elevator maintenance and uh, access to laundry but i thought like just the layout of the whole basement when i like looked at it's it it's very I was grand like, holy crap it's like it's yeah. like you said it's like titanic of yeah hospitals. of tb hospitals 
So despite being a very large facility, sure. there did inevitably end up being a cure slash treatment for whatever for tuberculosis. For, yeah. So consumption. The hospital kind of like lost the it's they didn't need it really. Wh- which is a good thing. I mean in high Yeah. You know? So in nineteen sixty one Waverly Hills was closed down, but it was reopened a year later as Woodhaven Geriatrics Sanitarium. But there have been many rumors and stories told about patient mistreatment and unusual experiments during the years that the building was used as an old age home. Okay. Some of them have been proven to be false, but others have unfortunately turned out to be true, like electroshock therapy, which considered to be highly effective in those days. Yeah. Was widely used for a variety of ailments on these poor old people. My knees hurt. I got a great... I know, right? <laughs> Electroshock therapy. Budget cuts in the 60s and 70s led to both horrible conditions and patient mistreatments. And in 1982, the state closed the facility for good. Good. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I mean, it's 2019. That shit's still going on. Still a ton of, that, ton of that stuff in, like, nursing homes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Jesus. The buildings and land were auctioned off and changed hands many times over the course of the next two decades after like the 70s in 1983 a developer purchased the property with plans to turn it into a minimum security prison for the state of kentucky oh wow surprising yeah but i mean i guess you pretty much just put bars on the room Yeah. yeah yeah but plans were dropped after neighbors protested and a new idea to turn the former hospital into apartments was devised because they were like how fucking no you're not gonna put a prison in our backyard yeah But with a lack of financing, that plan was also abandoned. In March 1996, I found this to be crazy. Robert Alberhasky bought Waverly Hills and the surrounding area. And Alberhasky's Christ the Redeemer Foundation made plans to construct the world's tallest statue of Jesus on the site. What? (laughs) Yeah. Along with an arts and worship center. The statue, which was inspired by the famed Christ the Redeemer statue on Corcovado Mountain in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, it's the one where he's like. Would have been designed by local sculptor Ed Hamilton and architect Jasper Ward. The first phase of the development coming in at a cost of. How much do you think? Oh, gosh. Five million. All right. Well, four million. <laughs> this is 96. That's a ton of money it's still a ton of money it would have been a statue of 150 feet tall and 150 feet wide situated on the roof of the sanatorium wow yeah the second phase would convert the old sanatorium into a chapel theater and gift shop at a cost of eight million or more jesus literally 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 the plan to construct this religious icon fell through because donations to the project fell well short of expectations, in a period of a year, only three thousand dollars was raised towards oh, the project. Ah, shucks. Yeah. So, the project ended. Can up- you imagine if that would have happened? I was having a huge fucking. Huge. We're not known for the Kentucky Derby anymore. We're known for our Jesus statue on top of a Jesus, sanatorium. Jesus, <laughs> man! Oh my gosh, that's the last thing we need. So we do have the ark, though. We have the ark here. We have that crazy ark. What? The ark. You know, the dude built a huge fucking life-sized. Oh yeah. Ark experience yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. So that project was inevitably canceled in December of 1997. So after Albert Husky's efforts failed, Waverly Hills was then sold to Tina and Charlie Mattingly in 2001. And the Mattingleys are currently the owners okay. and still are the owner, owners blah, 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 okay. and hold tours of Waverly Hills. And, you know, they make it a haunted house every year for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And any of the proceeds that they make from the haunted house, they take and put towards the restoration of the property. Because they inevitably do want to potentially make it into, I think, a hotel. Oh, wow. Which would be fucking cool. That'd be fucking... We're not staying there. Come on. We're not staying there. All right. Maybe. Um, Maybe. But after they had bought it in 2001, the elements and the vandals who were coming there to look at the place and, you know, 
obviously vandalize it uh, trespass yeah word i was looking for it had become really a local haunted house like that place is fucking haunted as shit and it became a magnet for the homeless looking for shelter teenagers who broke in looking for ghosts and it soon so waverly gained a reputation for being haunted and stories began to circulate of resident ghosts like the little girl who was seen running up and down the third floor solarium. The little boy who was spotted with a leather ball. His name is actually Timmy. And when you go on the tour, they give you a chance to roll the ball down to him and he will roll it back to you. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's apparently a hearse that appeared in the back of the building dropping off coffins. A woman with bleeding wrist who cried for help and a bunch of other things, which I'll touch a little more on. Visitors told, uh, said that they always heard slamming doors, lights in the windows, as if power was actually still running in the building, which there is no power in the building. Wow. Strange sounds and a lot of eerie footsteps coming from empty rooms. Other legends told of a man in a white coat who was seen walking in the kitchen and the smell of cooking food that sometimes wafted through the room. The kitchen was a disaster, like a ruin of broken windows, Fallen plaster, broken tables and chairs, puddles of water, debris. But an experience from the Louisville Ghost Hunter Society said that when they visited there and they saw how it was all in shambles, you know, they saw it was all in shambles and stuff. And then they heard um, a door swing shut and immediately smelled fresh baking bread. Oof. Creepy. That's creepy. But also like, where's it at though? Because I love bread. (laughs) Right. Perhaps the greatest and most controversial legend of Waverly Hills was connected to the fifth floor of the building. This floor of the old hospital consisted of two nurses stations, pantry, a linen room, medicine room, and two medium-sized rooms on both sides of the two nurses stations. One of these was room 502, and it's the subject of many rumors and legends, and just about every person who goes there wants to see this room, which I also find curious because 502 is our area yeah that's interesting i was just that's actually what i was just thinking about yeah but this is where according to most stories that people have seen shapes moving in the windows heard disembodied voices and there are legends that there were multiple people who jumped to their death from that part from that room that sucks Um, other stories about room 502 were that in 1928 a nurse who worked there was found dead in that room she had committed suicide by hanging herself from a light fixture. She was apparently 29 years old at the time of her death, unmarried and potentially pregnant by Oof. one of the doctors. Or You already know it. Yeah, who obviously was, I'm sure that didn't go over well. Uh, but her depression over the situation led her to take her own life. It's, not, it's unknown how long she may have been hanging in this room before her body was discovered. Woof, this that's not terrible. The only... I think I've heard that, actually. Yeah, this is not the only tragedy that is connected to room 502. In 1932, another nurse who worked in the same room jumped from the roof patio and plunged several, several, and plunged several stories to her death. But no one seems to know why she did this. And ex- there's a lot of speculation that she might have actually been pushed out the window. Ooh. Yes. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So despite all this, this place, I mean, I hear a lot, a lot, a lot of different, there's tons of stories and sure. Um, I know every year when Jerry and Tracy from Hillbilly Horror Stories does their live show, they go to the, they go to Waverly, Waverly afterwards yeah. and we are hopefully going to be a part of their live I show think we're again gonna be, yeah. this year. And I'm hoping, so I'm hoping that this kind of sparks some interest of Waverly to some of our yeah. listeners and local people that will maybe we'll get to go have our own experience. Come hang out with us. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they, you know, they continue to restore it and volunteers working toward the restoration of the building experience ghostly sounds, slamming doors, lights appear in the building when there's clearly no electricity and there shouldn't be any objects thrown at them, struck by unseen hands, saw apparitions in doorways and corridors and yeah, just all kinds of spooky shit. I mean, it's something I, I definitely want to go again. Like, I would I be down. Go. There was a lot about that that I didn't know for sure. Well, yeah, a lot of that is just like kind of. I know there's it's the not real super story. Spooky, and there's all like, but it, there was so much death and just so much history. I think is cool. Yeah. Um, the movie The Death Tunnel was filmed at Waverly Hills. Store um, at Waverly Hills. The story is based on local legends, lore, and hauntings, and set 
uh, and was released, I think, in like 2005. Okay. And the I haven't peeped that one. The documentary Spooked was filmed at Waverly by the same production people who did Death Tunnel, which apparently the documentary explores local legends and history and all that same sort of stuff. And like I said, every year around Halloween, Waverly, they do like a haunted house, which is actually like they do like fake stairs sure. and spooks and stuff. But you can also do the but like. Then you can also do like the legit tour, which yeah. is they don't like fake shit and put, you know. Yeah. Little Timmy at the end yeah, of the hallway and right, shit. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And it's really cool. But I think that's about all I got for Waverly Hills. I know cool. it's a lot, yeah. but. Good job. I, I just thought that all of the history about it and all the things it almost became and didn't become and, yeah i'm real you know. geeked it didn't turn into a big ass jesus statue <laughs> like holy shit but it's a really creepy looking place and just all around spooky yeah so. well well done so that is our our louisville local haunted place which is also known as one of the most haunted places in, in the, the world in the world yeah yeah that is waverly oof spooky spooky well, folks, thank you so much for listening to We Drink and We Know Things. Yeah, thanks for listening. This was episode... 35! 35! I can't even. Yeah, I can't even. I can't even. Oh my god, me neither. But we look forward to talking out uh, with you next week. Yeah, uh, if you like what you hear, please, 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 please leave us a five-star you know review on is. iTunes or wherever you listen. We've been getting some really great reviews. Yeah, hit us Makes up, Makes us man. so happy. And um, email us at wedrinkandwenowthingspodcast at gmail.com with suggestions or feedback or anything you want to say hell yeah we'll see you guys next week thanks guys bye bye